You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hey there, it's Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host of the Art of Parenting podcast, back for a little series that I have put together. I've taken a break from interviewing my guest. Uh, don't worry, they will be back. I have quite a few lined up for you. But today and for the next several episodes, I wanted to focus on some fundamentals to really be able to have a roadmap for our parenting, for parenting in today's modern world. There are a few pillars that I just want to kind of dive in a little deeper for you. And so I invite you to listen to this episode and those coming along. And this is also everything that I teach and mentor in my parenting school. The parenting school will be opening up in early September of 2022. So if you haven't gotten on the wait list yet, please do so. The link is in the show notes. I think you will enjoy this course that is not only a course, but also uh, group mentoring where I really listen to your personal issues that are going on and really give you my professional feedback and so forth. And what I've also really appreciated in the parenting school is all of the support and encouragement that we get from other parents. Because as I've always said, parenting was never meant to be done alone. And I'm here for you, but also other parents that are going through the same things are here to support you. So do uh, sign up for the wait list so you can be the first to know when the doors officially open. And for now, let's enjoy this episode. Thank you and take good care. Hey there, Jeanne-Marie Penel with the second part of What Makes Your Child Unique. Today, I wanted to continue the conversation I started in our last episode on these different elements, concepts, or tools that we have to really help our child and to really be able to nurture their immense potential, but really their unique potential. So one of the things that I will start talking about is what we call human tendencies. And this is a concept from uh, Dr. Maria Montessori. Uh, her son, actually, Mario Montessori, wrote extensively about it. And I will link that in the show notes. But basically, it is this understanding that we all have 
these natural impulses that direct us in uh, to to really perform and to advance in life with without really being conscious of this but it's it's really about having a like an unconscious plan, like a, a life force that is giving us direction and giving us a satisfaction. And that really perpetuates the human spirit. And this, as I mentioned in the last episode, I talked a lot about observation and being a scientific observer. And so here I invite you to be able to be aware of these tendencies in your child and even in yourself, because, um, about, you know, going back to observation, and, and I will link the last episode, but observation, we're, we're invited to observe our child, but also ourselves and the environment that we create or that we live in and, and our surroundings. So this is uh, some tips about more about observing and the human tendencies. There are seven of them that have been detected there might be more, uh, depending on on how you look at things. But the, the seven principal ones are exploration. So this we see definitely in young children. They are eager to explore and figure out where things are and just always on the move. And this is true, especially of ch- young children before the age of six and especially before the age of three, where they are these unconscious uh, explorers, and they are really driven by this life force to to explore, to always be figuring where where things are, how things work, and all of that. And that is just a human tendency, and we all have it, and it is very strong in children. The next one is this sense of orientation, and this I think we all do it. I know I do it when I am traveling. I need to figure out where I am. I, I look on a map. Uh, just this past weekend, I was away. You know, I looked on the map where where the place we were staying at was. How I wanted to to orient myself, and I think this is true of anybody, but especially of children. And this is why sometimes I really encourage to talk things through with your children, especially when you are bringing a child in a new environment or even bringing a newborn home. I like to really be able to give them a walkthrough of their new environment so that they can orient themselves. The third one is this idea of order. And order, I know I talk a lot about it, but this is really a very important aspect. And order helps us um, not only orient ourselves, but also classify things just to make sense of our world. And order, as I had mentioned in, in previous episodes, order is not only physical, but it is also in the the routine, in the rhythms, in the rituals that we have, where children are able to anticipate what is going to happen. And this is very uh, securing to them, to be able to predict and to know ahead of time what is going to happen, what happens next, right? So keeping that sense of order is is important. Now, some children are going to be a lot more sensitive to order than others. And it's interesting, just yesterday, I was uh, 
watching this uh, story on Instagram about this young child who loves Legos, but was actually getting very um, frustrated with all the different pieces and colors and shapes. And so his mother organized it to have order so that he could classify all the pieces how he wanted. And it ended up being in colors and it's a beautiful little setup but the joy that this child had in having this sense of order so that he can be more creative and sometimes you know we often say that the more structure you have the more freedom you're able to have so that's where this sense of order comes in and this is a human tendency so i invite you to observe that in your child The other human tendency that we have, and this might sound a little funny or or strange to you, but it is the sense of work. And work is this idea of having purpose. At least it is for me. It is uh, having a purpose, having a significance, having being able to contribute to uh, whether it is uh, society, your community, your family. But the sense of, of work is very important. And humanity has always needed to to work and to build and to to construct and especially to work with one's hands, with one's mind, and that is a need that we have. It's a human tendency that we go towards. I think somebody who has no work, no purpose is, is somewhat uh, lost. And, and at times I would even go so far as to say depressed because they have no uh, significance or no purpose. So work is a very important one. The next one is this idea of the mathematical mind. And I've talked about mathematical mind. I've talked about this in the parenting school with my uh, parents about how we all have this mathematical mind and how important it is to have mathematical language uh, for our children to, to nurture that mind. Because if you think about it, we, we, are always using our mathematical mind, right? Uh, Right now for me, I'm recording. I have to be careful not to go over time. I have to be careful to have my episode ready so it can be edited, so it can be uploaded at a certain day and so forth. So I am using my mathematical mind, even though I'm in a creative mode right now because I'm sharing something uh, with you that is important to me. And so children also have this mathematical mind, right? They're, they're calculating things in their mind, even a young child who is dropping things and, and all of that, they are, they're figuring things out, right? They're, they're both exploring and using their mathematical mind. Uh, so this is, this is also a human tendency that we all have. Now, of course, some of us are going to develop it more than others. Some of us are going to be more attuned to it and really use that mathematical mind to, to create, to invent, and so forth. But we all have it, even if we consider ourselves a very literary person and we're, we're, you know, we're more about words and writing and reading, we still have a mathematical mind because we still have to calculate a distance or, you know, what time we need to get ready and, and so forth. So that is also part of the human tendency. 
Now, the last two are, one is the social. So being a social being. Now, of course, there are some of, some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. We have different social needs, but being social and being with other humans and having interactions is a human tendency. And you will notice this with your child too, depending on their age. Uh, and I, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but depending on their age, they are going to be more attuned to uh, being social and social cues and wanting to interact with their peers and so forth. So that is another human, uh, human tendency. The last one is spiritual. And this is uh, the human tendency to seek and understand what, you know, what is the, the cosmic aspect of our, of our being? What is the spiritual um, aspect of our being? And I think this, for me at least, goes beyond uh, religion because religion can be more of a manual or more of a, um, how would you say, s- certain ways to act or, or certain rules. And for me, spirituality is more about being in tuned with kind of that unconsciousness uh, that we have when we are quiet, when we are in silence, when we are in nature. Uh, for example, for me, I have this very clear understanding that I am part of a, of a bigger, uh, you know, of a bigger cosmic uh, entity and that, that there is this higher source uh, that I like to call universal love. And, and, you know, it can be, it can be God's spirit source, whatever to, to people we all have, I think are very personal relationship to what, spirituality means for us. And so this is really those seven human tendencies. So exploration, orientation, order, work, mathematical mind, social, and spiritual. So then I wanted to talk about another aspect of the child, and that is their absorbent mind. So the absorbent mind is something that was coined by Dr. Maria Montessori, and there's actually a book by that title, The Absorbent Mind, which I highly recommend. I will link in the show notes. And this is really this understanding that the brain before six, so those first six years, is a sponge, is really absorbing everything, the good, the bad, everything. They are absorbing language, they are absorbing our culture norms, our biases, our uh, emotional reactions to everything. They just sense everything. And it's funny, this morning I was just uh, talking to a future guest that I will have, and we were talking exactly about that. And she was saying how, you know, parents often think that children can't tell what's going on or, you know, aren't perceiving. And we were talking actually about, uh, you know, a family that is maybe going through a separation. And 
you know, don't be fooled. Children are absorbing everything. They can, they can feel it like they're, 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 you know, they, they're little sponges, or I like to, to describe it as these little tentacles that can just feel everything. And I think that as parents and educators, we need to be extremely aware of that and be very, conscientious about listening to what they're telling us that they are feeling and to take it seriously. Because uh, for me, that is really also the foundation of that uh, self-worth that we spend a lot of time working on as uh, as we grow older. And if we are you know, respectful of that absorbent mind from the beginning, I think uh, it will, it will really help. And this is something that is uh, given by nature to all children. Uh, it's a universal concept, and it is really from conception uh, through the first six years of life. And to also know that the first three years is what we call the unconscious absorbent mind, meaning that they are exploring, they're learning, they are seeking out um, all sorts of things, but very unconsciously. It's, it's more that they're driven by this incredible life force that, and sometimes I tell parents, you know, it's almost like we need to just get out of the way because they are just, they're driven by, by this unconscious need to to explore, to understand, to, to, you know, explore what their body is capable of, what, what different sensorial sensations and so forth. And so we need to be in a state of, you know, again, observation and, and of acceptance. So of course, you know, if they're getting themselves in a situation that could be harmful to them or to others, of course, we step in. But if there is, you know, a child that is just, you know, making maybe a little mess with some dirt in the backyard or, or such, it's really about letting them go through the motions, absorb what it is that they're seeking to understand, and really step back, observe, and let that concentration do its work. Because I will say it over and over again, concentration and the respect and um, protecting concentration is extremely important in the young child. So I was saying that the absorbent mind, the first three years is this unconscious absorbent mind. And then you will see around three, there is almost like this, this light bulb that go, that goes on where where they become a conscious learner and you often see it at least I've observed it working with children is you see it in the way that they look at you almost as if they've they've suddenly noticed that oh wow there's somebody else there right it's almost like they they look at you with this this uh, uh you know these eyes of, of discovery that they're not alone in their their unconscious mind which is which to me is just fascinating so the absorbent mind is is a beautiful tool that we must uh, respect and nurture and protect as much as possible. And I'll just share here a quote from actually Dr. Montessori from her book, The Absorbent Mind. It is the child's way of learning. This is the path he follows. He learns everything without knowing 
he is learning it. And in doing so, he passes little by little from the unconscious to the conscious, treading always in the paths of joy and love. That's beautiful. So yes, then we have the four planes of development. And this is something that was also kind of mapped out by Dr. Montessori and others of her era. But this is also called the constructive rhythms of life. And they are really an understanding of the kind of the four peaks and valleys, as I like to call them, of development from birth through 24 years of age. And this we can call kind of this mini series of rebirths that we go through the the first 24 years of our existence. And so first we have infancy. And every time I have a kind of a quote that goes with each uh, plane. And so infancy is really the child telling us, I want to do it by myself. And I think those of you who have children uh, under the age of six have heard this, you know, before, or especially with a toddler said, no, me do it, me do it. And this is just human development. So this is the phase of infancy. And again, this is the time where the absorbent mind is very active, right? It is a time where the first three years is that unconscious absorbent mind, as I spoke of about earlier. And then we have the three to six year old that has the conscious absorbent mind. But this is really a child who is working towards physical and biological independence, right? They are learning to speak, to walk, to uh, be independent in the bathroom and, and so forth. And they just want to be able to do things for themselves. Now, also, if you visualize these four planes of development as kind of peaks and valleys, there will also be, uh, they will also be kind of cut up in three years, right? So the first three years is really the years where we acquire uh, and we master certain skills. And then the following three years are going to be more years of refinement. So infancy is really zero to three or you It's a a time of acquisition, and then three to six, refinement. Then we move into what we call childhood. And there the quote is, it's not fair. Uh, And that is the six to 12-year-old. And this is a time that the entire six years is really a time of consolidation, of perfecting what they have learned the, the six years prior. This I often hear parents, and, and I think it's true, is that the, the what we call the second plane child is a child who is, you know, has a reasoning mind, who is wanting to have mental uh, independence. And also, I, I know some parents describe it as kind of this honeymoon time where, where well, we've, we've gone through the, you know, infancy where, where we had to figure out what this little uh, baby wanted. We've gone through the toddler years and such. And now we have a child that we can reason with, that we can have conversation with, that they know how to do a lot of things. Um, so that is childhood. And then we move into adolescence. And adolescence is, again, uh, the quote here is, don't tell me what to do. 
And for me, uh, infancy and adolescence is is a repeat, or at least I always say that toddlerhood and teenagehood are are really a repeat of these children telling us, you know, let me figure things out, get out of my way, let me do things uh, for for myself. And so this is why the adolescent here is telling you, don't tell me what to do. And here again, we are going to have a period of kind of 12 to 15, a period of acquisition where they're going to be learning, uh, you know, a lot of social aspects of, of how society works, uh, where they fit in and such. And then we're going to have 15 to 18 is more of a refinement um, period. And this we call the time of the social mind, where they're really wanting to have that social independence, right? And any of you who have adolescents, you know, you know, they much, much prefer being with their friends than they uh, with us. And I remember this, you know, uh, perfectly with with my mother, who was, you know, this delightful human being, so much fun and all, but I just didn't want to be anywhere near her during my adolescence. It was almost like I was embarrassed of her. So it's funny to to think back of that. And then finally, the fourth plane is 18 to 24. And that is when we really step into adulthood. And here the quote is, what can I do? What can I do? How can I be of service, right? And this is a time, again, of consolidation and perfecting. And here we talk about the inner mind. It's really about the spiritual and moral independence. And again, this is a period of of consolidation where we're really trying to figure out where where our place uh, in society is and such. And I know I have a 21-year-old, so he's totally in that phase right now, um, you know, wondering what uh, what to do, what, where, where does he fit in in this puzzle? And then my 26-year-old or soon-to-be 26-year-old, well, she's she's gone through that. She has found her place. She's contributing. She has a job. She's, um, you know, doing what she loves and, uh, and has gone through those four planes. So that is the four planes of development, also known as the constructum rhythm of life. Now, the last uh, topic that I wanted to talk about uh, is sensitive periods. So you might have heard this term uh, used when describing sometimes uh, Montessori education or even in, in other settings, also known as kind of windows of opportunity. And this was really uh, detected or observed to be a time that is really, it's almost like it's this overpowering force or interest that the child has. And it's, it's really this impetus that is directing the child to, uh, to do particular things or to focus on particular qualities and elements of their environment. And this to me is fascinating because, again, if we are observing our children, we will see these different qualities and these different like super focused times that our children have. And please be aware, you know, I know a lot of parents 
contact me and say, you know, well, did I miss a sensitive period? You know, is, is it too late and such? For one, I always say it's never too late. But, you know, that when we quote unquote miss a sensitive period, it just means that the child might take a little bit longer to learn something or to, you know, to acquire a skill if we weren't observant to help them acquire it when they were extremely focused and sensitive to that period. And so here I'm just going to talk about four sensitive periods, depending on who you read and follow and such. There are many, uh, there's other ones too. And I think there's other ones that fit into these four categories, but for time's sake, I'm just going to talk about the, the four sensitive periods uh, today. So the first one is language. And as I shared in the last episode, language is, you know, a basic human need. It's this need for communication. But you will see if, you know, in, in observing young children, there is a time when the child is just fascinated with language, where they want to know what everything is. They want to label everything. They point at everything. They, they look at us for, for answers. They are, they're repeating uh, everything. And that is when they are in that moment of they're just passionate about it and they are absorbing language. So language is a sensitive period. And I'm not going to go into details as to the ages that uh, these are because they kind of flow in and out and and some overlap. Uh, There are some wonderful, um, how do you say, graphs that, that will teach us that. But for me, language is really really zero, zero to six, where, you know, first we're acquiring language, then we're refining it, then we're wanting to, to read and write. And there's just different levels of what we call explosions in language. And that is a very strong sensitive period. Then there is the sensitive period for order. And that is very strong with the young child. Uh, the child under six and, and under three is extremely sensitive to order, some more than others, where again, it's that sense of physical order, but also the routines and the rhythms that we have. And it is, it's, it's a necessity, right? It's part of the basic human needs. So they're, they're needing that sense of order to make sense of their world. And some, just like the, the story about the child who, who you know, needed that uh, order with their, with their Legos, some are more sensitive to others, but they need it to, to just help them classify their environment. And so the child before six is very sensitive to order. When we go into that second plane of childhood that I just described, well, order kind of goes out the window and they're not so sensitive to it. And you'll see that in, you know, kind of how your child evolves. And there's, you know, there's no good or bad to it. It's just what it is. And again, you know, I just invite you to to have an open mind when you are observing all of this. 
Then there is the sensitive period for the refinement of movement. And this is true with, especially with the young child, where they are eager to figure out how to get up and walk, right? This is a sensitive period to to be able to know what their body is capable of. And you will have children who, you know, need to climb and who need to run and to jump and all of this. And this is just part of that sensitive period where they are refining all of their movements, also refining their fine motor, right? Where they start using uh, all 10 fingers to be able to, to do things with their hands where they're, where they're very, um, you know, adept to, to picking up very small things. And this is all part of that sensitive period of refining their movement, And then lastly, we have the refinement of the senses. And this is very true in the early years of childhood where they are, you know, they're first that the senses are still developing at birth, but here they're refining all of those senses. So whether it be smell, visual, tactile, all of this, they are just, you will, you know, you, you will observe it is that they are very absorbed with all the different senses. So those are just the four basic ones. There are, you know, other ones that might go in, in, you know, underneath all of those are part of those, which could be, you know, refinement of social cues of uh, toilet independence and so forth. But I like to keep it very simple to these four. So I hope this this has helped to talk about just the different elements to be looking out for or to be aware of when you are observing and, you know, helping you figure out what makes your child unique and what, you know, human tendency they're in and how their absorbent mind is working, what plane of development they're in or what sensitive period they are in. And so uh, this is also for me helping us to adopt some of these, you know, principles to your parenting, which will help us have resilient children with with healthy self-esteem. Because if we know all of this beforehand and we can nurture this and we can respect all of these different aspects of our children's evolution, then, you know, we are really setting them up with a very good foundation for the rest of their life, because those first six years are crucial for really setting a good foundation for the rest of your life. You know, we often say in kind of the self-development world, we're often, you know, asked to, to go back to what happened before seven, right? So this to me is, is really a very important uh, time of our life. And so it also helps our children be independent and and helpful when we're adopting these these principles at home, that that we have easy to follow daily routines when we are aware of, you know, that they need order and such, that we are able to simplify our home so that we, you know, have that sense of order. And I'm really... I err on the 
minimalism aspect of, of homes where I really like to, first of all, see what we already have in our homes, that I'm not one to go out and buy all the latest, you know, greatest crazes. Um, I avoid any type of, of, you know, contraptions and things like that. I think we can create a home with what we have and to, to really keep it simple. And, uh, next week's episode, I'll talk more about the home, but this to me is, is really important. And then that we're, we're really creating confident and adventurous families when we're aware of all of these different aspects of, of our children and that we're really able to tune in to where they're at in their development and, and what makes them unique. And, and lastly, it will help us have strong, healthy, relationships uh, with our children, with those who care for our children, and with our selves. So I hope this was helpful. And again, this is a lot of what I cover uh, in the parenting school that I've, I've mentioned before will be opening soon. I will put the link in my show notes to get on the wait list to be the first to know when the doors are open. But this is what I go in depth about and along with not only the, the, the course where I have, you know, videos and, and transcripts explaining all of this and you have a workbook to be able to, you know, observe your own child. But I also have um, bi-weekly, every other week, we have what I call a lifeline where we meet on Zoom and we're able to discuss these things and see how we can better, you know, nurture our children and what can we do differently to really accommodate whatever stage of development they're in. As well as uh, in the parenting school, we have what I call a virtual village because I'm a strong believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone. So when we parent in community, I think we, we feel more confident, we feel supported, and we really feel that we're not alone. Just, just the other day, we had a mom sharing kind of you know what she was going through and was feeling really uh, kind of insecure about a, a lot of things in her mothering. And, you know, I just love how a lot of the other parents were like, yay, me too. And, you know, we'll get through this and, and all of that. So I just love that community as well. And then, you know, I of course have a lot of other resources that I share with you and, and such. So again, that's all about the parenting school. And I invite you to get on the wait list so that you have all the tools to parent with more confidence um, and peace and bring ease and joy into your family. Alrighty, that's it for today. Until next time, loving all of you and thank you for tuning in. Alrighty, take good care. Bye-bye for now. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. 
Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone. And you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony, and find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.